Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. The Economist. In London, this is The Economist, and you're listening to Babbage, a weekly conversation on science and technology. I'm Kenneth Kukier, the data editor, and I'm talking today with Tim Cross, our science correspondent. On this episode, we'll talk about how a hacking team, called Hacking Team in Italy, that provides surveillance software to governments itself just got hacked. And we'll look at New Horizon, which is a space probe. After more than nine years sailing through the heavens, it's now about to reach its destination, Pluto. First, the unhappy hackers. Tim, what's happening? So, Ken, on Monday morning, um, the internet woke up to a good deal of schadenfreude when it became clear that this company, Hacking Team, which, as you say, they do basically what it says on the tin, um, had themselves been hacked into and a whole load of sensitive internal documents had been plastered all over the web. Okay, so do we know who did it? We don't, but it's probably someone who has moral objections to what they do because they're, they're quite a controversial company. Their business model is to sell spyware to various governments around the world, the sort of computer programs that can be used to turn mobile phones into bugging devices, to monitor Skype calls, and to generally keep an eye on sort of dissidents and people who like to kick up a fuss. OK, so what kind of governments buy this? Well, this is one of the things. So hacking team themselves have always said in the past, they've said that they take you know, human rights considerations seriously and so on. But there have been rumours and accusations going around for a few years that you know, some rather unpleasant governments have wound up being their customers, people like Sudan and Saudi Arabia, um, Nigeria, people like that. And some of the stuff that was posted online seems to pretty strongly support that. So, for example, one of the images doing the rounds on Twitter was a letter from Italy's representative to the UN, because hacking team is an Italian firm, saying they do no business with Sudan. And then right next to it was a picture of what looked like uh, an invoice from the Sudanese government for buying the software. And what other sorts of documents came out through the hack? Well, we should probably say, before we go too much further, that hacking team themselves have said, you know, obviously this is a, this is a criminal act. They've said, don't believe everything that, that, that you see posted. But there's a huge amount of stuff. Whoever did this has put up a BitTorrent file of everything they found, which is 400 gigabytes in size. So the world's sort of security researchers are roaming through that, looking to see what they can find. Um, And it's quite interesting because it provides them with uh, an insight into this sort of rather shadowy industry of of private companies that sell the kind of surveillance technology that we might think is is the province of, you know, pretty sophisticated governments. And a lot of these guys, you know, they would like to know how this stuff works so that their antivirus software can pick it up and, and take it off the computers of its targets. Okay, so it's really embarrassing for a company that deals with surveillance to itself be the victim of a hack. Do we have any idea where their security fell short? We don't at the moment. One of the things that's been posted is something purporting to be a list of passwords and and logins for the various systems they use. You know, they have these systems that let you track targets in real time. You can log into them and see what the people you're interested in are doing. And some of the passwords, shall we say, look pretty simple, the kind of things that might appear on a list of, you know, what not to use as your password. So it looks like their security perhaps wasn't all that great, rather ironically. Okay, so we knew from the Snowden documents that the NSA had such huge power that they could do 
incredibly intrusive things. But what does this tell us? Well, that's right. I mean, the Snowden leak, among the many other things that it did, it kind of made it impossible to ignore what security people have been saying for a long time, that Western governments you know, have the power and the capability to hack into people's computers, to turn their mobile phones into bugs, and to generally, if they want to, keep an eye on almost anybody they choose to. We knew already that this was the kind of thing that happens as well in, in places like China or Russia, you know, more repressive societies who have, you know, nevertheless sort of big capable governments full of, you know, technological whiz kids who can do this kind of stuff. What this looks like to me is a, a group of people who would probably call themselves principled hackers trying to get the message out to people who are sort of journalists or dissidents in countries that, shall we say, don't exactly have completely stellar human rights records that all this high-tech surveillance stuff that you might think is only doable by, you know, really sophisticated governments, actually, no, there's a, a market out there for selling these sort of tools to even governments of fairly, fairly poor countries, and basically the people need to be really careful. Some of the people commenting on this have pointed out that um, this kind of spying software, there's moves afoot to have it reclassified as a dual-use technology, like the sort of thing that might have a legitimate use, might also be a weapon. And if that goes ahead, it'll mean that exporting these things from Western countries is prohibited. So there's some speculation that the hack might have been timed to be just in advance of these these discussions to sort of make sure that that point is really appreciated by all the people who, who are trying to figure out what to do with this stuff. That's fascinating. Thank you. Moving on to another story farther from home, the NASA space probe New Horizons is close to reaching Pluto, but there have been technical glitches. Tim, what's happening? Well, that's right. So it turns out that New Horizons gave its controllers a rather unwelcome 4th of July present. Uh, Something went wrong with one of the onboard computers. It was trying to do too much work at once, uh, and that sent it into a bit of a spin. So it went into something called safe mode, where it stops what it's doing and waits for further instructions from Earth. And that caused some heart palpitations back on the ground, because it's very hard to talk to this thing. New Horizons is so far away right now that it takes four and a half hours for the radio messages from Earth to get there, and then another four and a half hours to wait for a reply. So fixing the glitch is a long process of sending off a command, waiting nine hours to see what comes back um, and repeating that till it's fixed. Luckily, NASA did manage to fix it. They said they've lost a little bit of science data, but not too much. Okay, so when the probe was launched, Pluto was a planet. It's not a planet anymore. Nevertheless, what do they hope to find? Yeah, so it's going to arrive at a slightly slightly diminished place. Pluto is, I guess, one way to look at it is Pluto is the last part of the solar system that hasn't been explored. So we've sent loads of probes to Mars. We've sent probes to the inner planets, to Mercury, to Venus and Earth and Mars. The Voyager probes went to the outer solar system, to all the big gas giants. We've sent probes to comets. We've sent probes to the asteroid belt. We've sent probes to Ceres and Vesta, all kinds of places. Pluto is one of the last sort of unvisited parts of the solar system. It's even smaller than Earth's moon and so far away. It's, I mean, it's so far away that it takes four hours for the radio signals to get from Earth to New Horizons and then the same amount of time for them to come back. If you look at Pluto through the Hubble, you just get a small pixelated blob, and you can do sort of fancy computer alchemy on that to get a vague idea of what the place looks like, but no one's ever had a close-up look. And once we have a proper look, what are we going to find there? Or what do we hope to learn and discover? Pluto has seasons, like any other planet, as it makes its sort of big, long, slow orbit around the sun. So in the last 10, 15 years, we've seen the surface change. Uh, Bits of it have got brighter, other bits have got darker. Um, We think that's because certain chemicals are condensing out of the atmosphere as it freezes, as it gets further away from the sun. We used to think Pluto only had one moon. Uh, We now know that it has several, so they'll want to examine all those moons as well. There's a outside chance that there might even be water there. It might be one of these icy bodies that has an internal ocean, 
that's kept liquid by a mix of radioactive decay from elements that are inside the planet and also the sort of gravitational interaction with its moon. So this is something we've seen or that we strongly suspect is there on places like Enceladus and Europa, which are moons of Saturn and Jupiter respectively. There might be a similar kind of ocean on Pluto. Okay, so how long will it spend at Pluto? Well, this is the thing. Um, Because Pluto's so far away, New Horizons has had to go really fast to get there in any kind of reasonable time. And because it's going so fast and because Pluto is so small, it's not actually possible for the spacecraft to go into orbit around it. So instead, it's just going to scream right on past uh, and carry on even further out into, into space. The scientists will have about two weeks uh, either side of the 14th of July, which is when it's closest to Pluto, to do their most detailed operations. And then another couple of months after that to get some more data, though that probably won't be of quite such good quality. The ultimate plan is to keep in contact with it and it'll enter another region of space called the Kuiper Belt, which is a big belt of rock and dust and ice, a bit like a second asteroid belt further out in the solar system. The plan is to find a couple of objects in the Kuiper Belt and see if they can get new horizons to fly by those as well. Great. Thank you. Very interesting. Tim, thank you for joining us. And sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. You've been listening to Babbage. For more news on science and technology, please visit economist.com. In London, this is The Economist. The Economist. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.